Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Tea Podcast. We spin the jams and spill the tea. And today we'll be talking about two new albums, two new album releases from two bands that this podcast are very fond of. We're going to be talking about the new album from Paramore, their new album, This Is Why. And we're also, of course, going to be talking about the newest album from one of Riley's favorite bands has an entire video about their whole discography that you absolutely should watch to prep for this if you haven't the new yo latengo album we'll be talking about that as well absolutely yeah it's a great time for and just a really podcore week this week i mean we were spoiled for choice on things we could review as well a lot of um, we chose the two most kind of podcore, I think, but you know, there are lots of other massive albums that were stirring a lot of waves this week. And I'll talk a little bit about them in our now episode in a couple of days' time. But let's kick off with Paramore because you know, we've talked about Yolatingo before. I've talked about Yolatingo on the podcast before. We have because we did do a record club on them. So we'll get to them later. But let's talk about Paramore because Paramore is a band that we all, all three of us love, and yet we haven't really had or been afforded the opportunity to shit a lot of words on them yet they've, they've been on one of their 18 hiatuses for the past however long well yeah well they've just i think Haley put Haley put out a couple of solo records one of which we reviewed moderately yeah. you know so uh-huh. we've been wanting we've been waiting for the return essentially because paramore have kind of you know with all the things that they've gone through as a band and also with you know having been around a while as well and not wanting to run their shtick into the ground they've kind of graduated into that stage of the career of any kind of established uh band where it's just one album every four or five years and then we'll just you know let the dust settle before we come back and it's you know it's a long fight but we're finally they're finally back with this is why which is I want to say their sixth album, yes. I believe. And yeah, the first since 2017's After Laughter, which itself, you know, it's funny because to me, each of the last three Paramore records, including this one, are like a, they're like a pivot of of, of a certain kind, right? Because their first mm-hmm. three records are, you know, the, the core establishing Paramore records. Then, of course, they went through, you know, the, the, ma- the massive lineup change that led to their, their you know, basically reforming themselves for 2013's self-titled record which is still my favorite paramore record then of course you had the pivot with 2017's after laughter into sort of you know more sunnier synthier pop music my favorite paramore album yeah a lot of people's favorite paramore record that record was really well received and now we hit, we're back with this is why which is kind of somewhere in between their last two albums it doesn't necessarily shy away from that more shinier major key direction of after laughter but it doesn't also kind of take you to the heavier places that their self-titled album taught you it's kind of treading a line in between those two things but also kind of representing something that does feel a little bit fresh and new for paramore and and morgan i want to turn to you at this point as well you're the most established paramore stan among us and you love this band as much as more than life itself it's fair to say what do we well, need yeah what do we to know about Paramore's <laughs> album and um, what your expectations were for this record and what your sort of general thoughts are on it now that you've had it for a week to sort of stew. Even though I would say Brand New Eyes is still my favorite Paramore record, After Laughter was very close behind it. They're both essentially perfect to me, um, or at least as close to perfect as records get. So naturally, I, I felt like the band had finally 
settled into uh, uh, both a lineup that was good for them and after this hiatus uh, landed in a mostly good place from everything I can tell. Everybody in the band seems to be in a mostly good place now, which is not common <laughs> so far, <laughs> unfortunately. So it was it was really great, especially at the advent of uh, the first single drop. The title track, I think pretty uniformly, most people who care one way or the other agreed was fantastic. It's both a sort of an interesting twist on what was being done on After Laughter, this sort of more uh, angular, dance punky kind of thing that was happening there and more focused that was made more focused by uh, this is why, sonically speaking. Yeah. Um, well, you had like the, the new wave sound is, I think, a good way of describing after laughter because it's just that sort of 80s synthesizer tones and that sort of stuff. And what was so exciting about this is why is like, you yeah, you kind of got the remnants of that, but just how rhythmic it was, just how kind of locked into this, you know, post-punk sound i would even describe it as as well because they've cited bands like block party and interpol like post-punk revival bands from the 2000s as being influential on this direction so i mean this is why that song when that came out i i couldn't believe how just completely locked into to a groove it was because it just wasn't something i was expecting from paramore coming off the back of their last record um it's it's still i think the best single they've put out since I don't know, still into you, maybe. Um, I am admittedly not as obsessed with After Laughter as everyone else, although I think it's a very good album. Uh, but this song just completely set my expectations up, you know, ceiling high. Like, I was like, damn, this is like exactly, it's like they're kind of making, they're pivoting this down into something that is that feels very suited to the kind of stuff I'm nostalgic for. And I still think, you know, I like the album a lot. I still think it's the best song on it. I, I just can't get enough. I still can't get enough of This Is Why. And I've probably heard it, you know, 40 times now. Yeah, as someone who is also very big into this sort of post-punk indie thing that happened in the early 2000s and continues to be felt in a myriad of ways uh, now, uh, not to mention uh, television, which is also if maybe only by being a direct influence on the things that are influencing this album is still heard here in many ways. Very excited to find that this was the direction that this band was going in, especially considering the strengths of the rhythm section and Terry York's very particular, almost idiosyncratic knack for making guitar arrangements that I think I think he's really come into his own in the last 10 years or so in terms of having a sound that is while indebted to so many others that came before him, but very particular to him at this point. Mm-hmm. Now, I agree. I was really taken with Taylor York's guitar parts on this record and particularly the, the way things that he was doing textually as well, which very much reminded me of a lot of the influences from 2000s indie, which itself is borrowing heavily from 80s new wave and Zolo and all that sort of stuff. I think it comes through really, really strongly on a song like Running Out of Time as well, where he has these little, you know, almost like monotonous guitar parts that he plays that are there purely to kind of emphasize a beat and give this really kind of mm-hmm. dancey feel to what is ostensibly you know a post-punky rock song and i i love that attribute of what he's doing here he's just 
it, it adds so much flavor and and paramore have always been a band that are really great at kind of creating these songs that have instantly when they start already have a sense of a momentum and this kind of tight sort of airtight sort of no reverb just really really stuck into a groove and they really really emphasize that on basically well, not every song here because some songs are a little bit more stripped back but most of the core songs here really really emphasize that kind of airtight just brittle but at the same time really slap in the face tonality to the guitars and of course the the impact of um zach farrow's drumming too it felt like such a clear reinvention of the sound without overhauling everything that made after laughter break i think that's sort of where we run into problems on this record um because i i do really enjoy uh, this is why overall but it's probably my second least favorite paramore record Granted, these things are always subject to change just with the passage of time. It, but it, it, it does feel to me as a result of a number of circumstances that Paramore is starting over again here, uh, where they started over with the self-titled and where they sorted over with After Laughter. They're kind of having to do that again here and I think it's felt in ways, mostly sonically, uh, on this album that sort of it just it make it difficult for me to feel like this is the statement that it should have been, uh, that the that this is why in the news made it feel like it was going to be in the lead up to this album. I largely find myself feeling like I'm in a very similar spot because like the most interesting things I have to say about this are the more negative things, even though I don't have a lot bad to say. I think the album's like pretty damn great, uh, all, all things considered. I think it's really tightly designed. You know, it's only like 30 some minutes and everything here feels really tightly wound every nothing feels you know kind of extraneous even though i think because i'm also like riley a really big fan of the band self-titled I, I think the band does a good job of like when they lean into excess they do it very well and when they pair themselves back they also do it very well but i do think that the growing pains of their new sonic direction on this album are the most tangibly felt here just because i feel like their other pivots that they've made are just things that came more naturally to them. This inherently, I feel like, is a much more difficult sound. It's something that's a little bit more, like, odd to wrap your head around. Uh, and, you know, obviously, it's a bit more musically adventurous than anything they've ever made. I mean, for as much as I love After Laughter, I feel like that album was, you know, it, it leaned into a lot of their strengths, but it was largely, like, sonically speaking, very much playing it safe in the kind of throwback that it was, especially in the landscape of music at the time. I feel like a lot of people were kind of leaning into that sort of 80s throwback kind of thing. And I love it, and I think that they did that better than most other bands did. But here, it is sort of odd on occasion because there are moments that really feel like they should hit harder because of how tightly designed this is you want to feel the impact of every moment and when it starts off as strongly as it does with this is why and the news uh which i love both of these songs i think they're great uh this is why is just super fun you got the this 
is why hook and it's really fun it's really animated and you've got the news and i think these have a really great thematic similarity to them as well because they're very much about the you know the overwhelmingness of modernity and in, in some respects uh the news of course being uh them talking about well <laughs> media conglomerates the news and honestly they have one of the more nuanced takes on the subject that i've seen in the last couple of years i very very easily like i see the news and you see it's like oh they're writing about topical stuff because i haven't gotten enough of that in the last three and a half years and no they actually do it well and they lean into all their strengths as a band they don't sacrifice anything on this song and they still lean into their emotionality However, there are moments on here that just they they really stick out to me as kind of road bumps just because this is such a tightly packaged albums. Uh, the two moments on here that stick out to me are, first of all, the third to last song, Liar. I don't think anything necessarily bad about this song. It's song. just... It's just not doing anything I feel that's particularly interesting. Like, sonically, I feel like it sounds good. It sounds very pretty. I like the way it sounds. But it really just kind of, you know, just kind of repeats that dreamy hook over and over again. And I just kind of feel like uh, this kind of feels like it maybe would have fit better on After Laughter than it would here. It just kind of feels like it disrupts this album's flow in a very strange way. And I feel like the most like uh, the, the least controversial hot take on this album I have is that I I finally encountered a Paramore song that I just kind of straight up don't like in the form of Say Commissa, which I, I don't really know what this song's deal is. It, it's it's got that, that it slaps. I, I don't like it very much. It's, <laughs> Look. It's, I don't I don't I think it's the worst the weakest song here as well. I don't know. I don't think it I think the issue with it is not I don't I, that I find it annoying or anything like that. I just think that it's not very fully formed. It's a nice hook. That doesn't I, well, really I have both have, issues. It is not it's a nice hook that doesn't really have much else around it. But I will say I don't skip it. I I, I find it to be enjoyable if slight. Well, it, well, if you skip any song on any album, I lose any respect I have for you. So... I just mean run, run re-listens. It's perfectly acceptable to skip songs once you know an album if you want to just well, get, you know, your favorites and stuff. I'm just what fair enough. Wrong choice. But like ways. we we have concocted an argument out of nothing. No, what if... that's that's very true. <laughs> what what a James and team moment. I, I just find the 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 repetition of the no 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 to be a little like okay and then it just kind of goes into that little like spoken word bit and i like what's being said here but it just kind of segues between these two modes and i'm not really into either mode so then when you combine the two the alchemy just doesn't really mix there and it just kind of comes after a stretch of really good songs and i don't like i i think big man little dignity is is decent but i also am not like the biggest fan of this song i like it a little bit more than liar but it's got like a little bit more going on but it's also just one that again it feels very standard for the band but everything else here i really love i think you first and figure eight are kind of late track or late album highlights and my favorite song on here is actually the penultimate song uh crave uh which comes right before thick skull which i really enjoy the sentiment of something like thick skull i, I think that uh one thing that's understated about like or not understated it's just that maybe they aren't given their due enough but like 
there are honestly very, very few people in the music industry I respect more than Haley Williams. That woman has been put through the ringer. If you know anything about Paramore, if you know anything about her. Uh, and the fact that she is still making music that is anywhere up to this level of quality is commendable to anybody. And again, all of these lineup changes and hiatuses, we joke about it. But at the same time, that's not an easy thing to deal with. So I, again, commend them for being able to do this. And Haley, I think, is kind of at the top of her lyrical game. That was kind of why I enjoyed After Laughter as much as I did, is that I found the thematic contributions that you know she made to that album to be the most evocative that the band had ever been and i think they are also very much at their like pinnacle uh at this like at this point in their career it's just that they don't musically always rise to the occasion but on songs like crave or songs like figure eight i really feel her presence and identity as a songwriter that was occasionally even missing from some of her solo stuff that dropped in between the this album and the the last paramore album but overall it's a very good album it's just just a a mite inconsistent for me to truly fall in love with it the way I have with previous Paramore albums. That inconsistency is compounded by the fact that it is so slight overall. Um, yeah, I agree. Which I was really going into this thinking that would be a, a, a like an a resolute strength of the album, as uh, the the runtime, the tightness of it, the guess to put a word on it, the the death from above 1979 get in <laughs> get out nature that i was hoping it would have uh, and instead it has that run time and it still becomes a little more ponderous and i i guess exploratory in places but i i don't think this is the album where exploratory is what would help it I guess. I mean, yeah, there is a little bit of a lack of certainty of musical identity here that the last, I mean, every Paramore album before this doesn't have because every Paramore album before this knows what it is musically, knows what its whole atmosphere is, know what it's, knows what its whole sound is, and is very good at mining that aesthetic um, for the length of an album. I mean, it's telling that my favorite Paramore album is by far their longest, um, just because they're so good at keeping that feeling vital the entire time and they're so completely just in charge of the aesthetic that they wield essentially and making that into some really emotionally powerful music what i'll say is that i i think structurally i i actually like what this is why it does i like its concision i like its directness i like basically everything that it's trying to do I just think ultimately where it is let down is just that, hey, two or three of these songs are just not really as well written and as well composed as they could be. And they belie a sense of maybe a little bit of uncertainty as to whether the band wants to fully commit to what they're doing with uh, the singles on this album. But that said, a lot of my favorite songs on the record are not the singles, you know, despite what I said about This Is Why earlier, which is still probably my favorite song overall. I think that this is a really backloaded album. I actually think that the second half of this record is basically nothing but greatness. 
Uh, I I love basically every song from you for you first onwards. I think is excellent. Um, that whole second half is just the record completely wins me over yeah. there. It just takes a while to get there, and and I will I guess stray from the pack with my biggest sort of hot take around this record is that I don't really care for the song The Muse that much. Uh, it just feels like a a little bit musically cluttered and kind of awkward in a way that this is why isn't even if i agree with jake that they're very thematically similar songs i like the there's a little bit more of a sense of kind of poking fun at herself that uh Haley's doing on this is why that i like and i think makes that song even more charming whereas the news is just it's trying to have that sense of humor but it is just a little bit more sort of serious in a way that i don't quite think that they pull the balance off and i just think some of the musical ideas on that song just don't work very well I basically concur on Sekom Sa and Big Man Little Dignity. Big Man Little Dignity has some interesting musical ideas in it. I like the little angular guitar part that comes in towards the end. I like the song lyrically as well. It just is a little bit uncertain of its own identity. And in terms of the album's more atmospheric and exploratory moments, I just think a song like Liar pulls that off much more successfully. Uh, figure eight i think along with this is why is the other massive highlight of the album for me this song is just classic paramore i love it i i mean this is an album that goes great in the car as every paramore album should uh but especially a song like figure eight just completely slaps your tits off in that context especially i just love that song so much and i agree with crave as well crave is like one of those moments where you get that you typically get later on the back half of a paramore record where Haley is kind of like stretching her pipes out a little bit more doing a little bit more stuff that's vocally powerful with a backdrop that's less you know frenetic and just is there to support that um performance and it's a great song fantastic paramore song thick skull ends the record really strongly as well has that kind of sort of slightly portentous anxiety that a good album closer uh for a record like this will often have and i yeah i mean Haley is the beating heart of paramore I and mean, she is the the heart and soul of what makes them so unique and so captivating and so easy to get emotionally invested in like as you've hinted towards jake like hayley has gone through so much as well being in the public eye from a young age as a woman fronting a rock band in a specific genre of rock that is typically dominated by men and in the 2000s was not just dominated by men but also often dominated by men who were you know not the greatest human beings necessarily and didn't always have the greatest attitudes towards women as well so the way that she's always conducted herself and always maintained dignity and in, in the face of you know that whole context that she's um, grown up in is just amazing she's never been shy about anything i think that one of the things that to me one of the things that's always or the thing that's always spoken to how much class and just self-respect Haley has is that even when she does diss songs like when she's essentially writing a diss song against you know the ex-band member that essentially blew up and said fuck you all with ain't it fun you know she turned that into a song that is an absolute celebration of you know just kissing off people like that and you know gently mocking and deriding them without being like you know really sort of scathing or brute or you know mean-spirited or anything like that that's why ain't it fun is one of the greatest paramore songs because it's like it is just this fuck you song but it doesn't have this fuck you energy it has this you know don't you think you could be doing better you know you, you know don't you think you should you know act your age or whatever you know i can't do it as well i can't you know describe it as well as she just does with that song but that's you know emblematic of what i've always loved about Haley. she just has this spirit where she's able to you know be serious or to you know make a very 
effusive point, but never feel as though she's being dour while doing it. Uh, she's just got a great sense of humor. She's just got a great charm and she's just really good at songwriting. And yeah, so this is why is a bit of a, it's, it is a bit of a mixed bag, but I think that it is for the most part, pretty strong. Like I said, I think that back half really nails the balance. I mean, you have the angular post-punk stuff and songs like You First and Figure Eight, you have the core emotional rock song where Hayley is given the space to really, you know, just sh sing her fucking heart out on songs like Crave. And you have the perfect Paramore ballad that I always need in the back half of my Paramore albums in a song like Liar. So yeah, I the album's grown on me. I still think that its lack of clear identity is maybe one thing that holds it back as an album um more so than just you know kind of a set of songs but i'm glad they're back i've listened to this album freely you know a bunch this week and i will probably continue listening to it especially again like i said the back half very easy to put on so i i come away with this uh broadly quite positive and just again more and more curious than ever to see how paramore age because if the way the rate they're going with only a net, like two albums every decade you know these they're going to get old they're going to need to you know and they have with the last couple of albums really stepped into a more mature period but i'm curious about what that's going to continue to look like for paramore going forward because i don't really have any idea from this album um what paramore might continue to do next what the future might look like for them um, it does feel a little bit like a stopgap in some respects. I'm not saying the music sounds this way, but I have always got the impression with this and the last album that Paramore are tired. <laughs> um, they've been yeah. through a lot and they've had a tumultuous career. And it doesn't strike me like they're a band who finds making music very easy anymore. So mm -hmm. maybe that's yeah. part of part but of that. At, at the same time, though, I, I think that a lot of Paramore fans like of course when a band you like goes on hiatus is going to be kind of like oh no band i like isn't going to be releasing music that's difficult but i think the real desire here is to see what paramore are like when they actually settle into a creative groove that is not interrupted by a hiatus it's like i want to know what a decade looks like where they can release three albums without going through some tumultuous shit like what is the through line there where what are we going to be able to see from them and that's what still makes them an exciting band is because we we really haven't gotten that yet even though they're a band that has existed in three separate decades at this point so it's like it's kind of telling i think that all the stuff i love the most about the second half of this record is kind of just paramore doing the hits you know it's not really you know anything all that innovative and I think we and Paramore get past the this first half of the record where, you know, they're in that we have to make the album have its own vision and distinctness when they get past that. And they're not trying to do that anymore. And they're just trying to make really good Paramore songs in the back half of the record. I think that there's less pressure there. And it's I, I just find the songs easier to enjoy. If, so, if they want to do that on their next record, that would be refreshing at this point. Know, but like, I, 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 it I depends. It's hard to it's hard to do that. It's no, hard it to. Is approach well, an album you, cycle you can with, do that now you, you feel this sort of pressure that everything we do has to be something different um i imagine that's a big part of their process sure yeah yeah definitely but the heart of it is like you know take another half half a decade if you want but you know i i want to know what this is why part two looks like 
you know yeah. the the godfather is a worse film without the godfather part two <laughs> so like you know just okay it's, it's more like you know back to the future is a worse movie without back to the future part two it's just, it's, it's, you know it's this just... is this is giving me big vibes of like king of limbs part two win guys this was a great taster we want the rest of the album <laughs> who who has ever said that that was what um, people were saying when King of Limbs came out. They're all like, "Oh, this is just the first half, guys. Only eight songs. Nah, nah, nah. This is just, part two is gonna drop. That was, when's that Kendrick was, gonna drop? Nation. No, well, it's the same thing. People do that every time <laughs> a band drops a short and underwhelming album. Is they're like, oh, what they're doing? You see, is is they're they're teeing up. You know, <laughs> has a band that's, ever done that? That's not what I said. No, I, I, I'm not saying it's what you said. I'm just saying it reminded me of that. <laughs> the point, I, I just want something that's iterative for once, you know, yes. in the spirit of all we know is falling into riot, for sure. instance. And, you know, it's just part of it is that I'm tired of waiting so long between every album. But mostly it's just that I want to feel the stepping stones of each album a little more um instead of just a hard jump to something new because when that happens you tend to get something that's a little more like this where it feels leaner and not necessarily the best of ways although sometimes it is in the best of ways because it just it just rips well i don't know to me this feels like they're trying to do the stepping stone thing rather than the hard pivot and it's just that aspect of it that like not quite committing to anything seems to be what's kind of leaving people feeling a bit cold what i kind of want from paramore is i want them to sort of get in the studio with like you know dave fridman or someone like that and just make a 35 minute really loud fucking album <laughs> that's personally yeah, yeah. what i want actually make a death from above album with dave fridman there's, or somebody that would be bad there, fucking ass there's an at the drive-in reference on this record uh, and oh don't oh do it <laughs> don't well and, and you don't can feel, put that shit on me ricky bobby and you can feel on certain on certain parts of this record you can feel that they're pulling from that influence you know they're not yeah. committing to that kind of Absolutely. music but they're definitely you know i would not be surprised if relationship command was on in the studio you know part of their you know mood music while they're kind of working and jamming and yeah, I would love to see them kind of just full throat. The best cover of one armed scissor. Because they're not like more power. Because the one of the things that was interesting about After Laughter, you know, is that it was kind of the first Paramore album that it was a very successful album and fans loved it. Don't get me wrong, but it was kind of the first album where they weren't really a commercial entity anymore, like they were in their yeah. early era. Yeah. So they're kind of freed from that now. I don't think that they I imagine they don't feel any pressure to make hits anymore. Quite literally, is their last uh, record contracted with Atlantic. Oh, well, there you go. So I would love to see a little bit more of an embrace. Ain't of that. it fun? Is still on the radio today. Yeah, but they don't need to to make any more of those songs. So that's why I'd like to see them, you know, um, just do something a little bit more bold. But you know, make that at the drive-in record, baby. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> Make a fucking doom metal record, man. You know what? Maybe we do need hard <laughs> just, pivots. Just, I don't give a shit anymore. Just have, just have Haley Williams fucking screaming. That's Lucifer. what I want. <laughs> yeah. Well, if they're going to do that, they need to do it soon because, you know, they're not getting any younger. 
And after a certain point, you can't do that very convincingly. Okay. So, hold on a minute. Let me. I don't know how old's the dude from Baroness. He's got to be like forty-five. Yeah, but he's probably <laughs> giant, and Haley Williams is a small woman. She she is a know, tiny lady. Scrawny bald. She's dude. also thirty-four, like... so you know we've got time. I think this yeah. review is probably ready to be wrapped up. But probably. Time. I mean, yeah, we've you're right. We've got time as long as they don't piss about for another six years all right favorite tracks and ratings paramore this is why jake you go first my favorite track is crave uh then probably figure eight and this is why uh though there are some still some pretty excellent songs on here after that least favorite is seiko masa and i am feeling a a, a solid seven out of ten uh yeah my three favorites I'll just do the first three. Um, this is why the news and running out of time. I think similarly, the last four are about as strong. It's just the sort of this Sikkim Saudi you first run that, especially I feel like the momentum. I like Big Man Little Dignity, uh, but I'm probably going to have to say that that's my least favorite just for the way it, it kind of kills the momentum of the album for for a bit there and i think that's more of a, a structural issue than anything else but uh yeah overall i i i i, I mm, how to decide the halves yeah j- i'll give this a seven and a half out of ten all righty uh my three favorite tracks are this is why figure eight oh, that song rips and i will also say liar because i just i I, that song was really stuck with me i love the chord choices in that song i love Haley's vocal performance great deep cut uh my least favorite is sa, and the album gets a 6.5 from me uh august also listened to it and gave it a six uh so we have an average overall of 6.7 for paramours this is why Okay, and now it's time for our second main review of the week, where Jake and I are going to be talking about the new album from Yola Tengo. This Stupid World is the 17th album from Hoboken, New Jersey-based indie rock legends. Yola Tengo. Yola Tengo are, of course, a band that we have talked about ad nauseum on this channel, or at the very least, I have. Uh, if you haven't already seen it, I last year I ranked all 16 of the albums prior to this in a great video that I am very proud of. I'll put a link to it above my head right now. You can go and check it out if you haven't already. Very good video. Gives you a good idea of all the different tangents and places that Yola Tengo have been in their 40-year career up until this point. And to be perfectly honest with you, while I don't think Yola Tengo have ever fallen off per se, they certainly, within the last sort of... 10 years or so they've certainly wound down into this very like you know bands have a mature period and then some bands have like you know an elderly period where it's like beyond the mature period and they're just kind of you know making very straightforward music very pretty very atmospheric but absolutely not reinventing the wheel in any way shape or form and i like those records i think that 2015's covers album stuff like that there is particularly underrated set of songs and great covers on there and a few really creative reimaginings of songs from their 90s era too their 2018 album there's a riot going on was heavily atmospheric and really leaned into the dronier side of of things and led to some of the most beautiful music that they have created in the 2010s completely uh and then they had this weird even dronier experiment with 2020's we have amnesia 
amnesia sometimes, which was these four minute, like 10 to 15 minute sound collage pieces that they basically designed while in quarantine and kind of ultimately packaged together. Um, but it really hasn't been since 2013's excellent and still quite underrated fade that Yola Tingo have released an album that feels like an essential part of their story as a band. And I don't, I'm going to be honest with you, I was not expecting this to be it. I was, I had basically kind of consigned myself up until this point that Fade was basically going to be the last record like that, where Yola Tingo felt particularly energized to do something that was an actual creative statement of some sorts. I had basically accepted, resigned myself to believe that Yola Tingo no longer had any interest in that and kind of just wanted to cruise through, you know, their twilight years essentially and just, you know, play shows, make the occasional record of very, you know, backward looking music and just sort of coast on that forever. And while I don't want to set this up as though this stupid world is some kind of radical reinvention for Yola Tingo or even some kind of dramatic recontextualization of previous sounds, it's a Yola Tingo album. Recognizably, there's very little on here. Well, there's a couple of things on here that I think will surprise a longtime Yola Tingo uh, listeners. A couple of pieces that see them, you know, taking some of the flirtations with drone music that they've experimented with in the last 10 years even further than they have before in interesting ways but for the most part this is very much you know it's another yola tingo album it is distinct in the sense that it is produced more like their 90s records than anything they've put out since that period you know and throughout the 2000s throughout the 2010s they've worked with various producers but they've had this arc where with each record they've made since yeah, i think 2009's popular songs each record they've made, they've worked themselves more and more closer to entirely self-producing. Like they work with producers, but they've had more of an active hand in the production. And then in the last couple of projects, they have produced entirely on their own, including this. So Yola Tingo are basically this, you know, they're this three-person unit. They are frontman and guitarist Ira Kaplan, his wife, drummer, founding member Georgia Hubley, and their longtime bassist James McNew. It is just those three and no one else. And it feels, it, it has that sense of intimacy that you would expect from a record that is just made by three people as well, but also sees them looking backward and reflecting on their sounds over the years and the sounds that made them, you know, most important and popular and, and well-known in the 90s alternative indie rock scene and revisiting some of those aesthetics, but taking them in a kind of darker direction than they have with any of their records in a very long time. It hasn't really been since 2000s and then nothing turned itself inside out that Yola Tingo have made a record as consistently nocturnal and kind of brooding as this stupid world is. There are a couple of you know, more conventionally beautiful moments like the absolutely stunning Georgia sung as Celestine that definitely feel more of a piece with their later period music. But for the most part, this album is, it's thickly dark. It's just leathered in this sort of hazy, brooding maelstrom of chaos almost but it's kind of a controlled chaos as you come to you would come to expect from yola tingo everything's very fuzzed out everything is very kind of hazy around the edges you have this incredibly evocative album cover as well which is just this pitch black darkness kind of peering in this void kind of seeping into this you know not this suburban landscape with this bright green grass you know the color palette slightly different but it very much reminds me of the album cover for 1993's painful which has the same kind of 
sort of um, blurring between sort of darkness and the distant sort of uh, urban space and something close and more intimate. And it also kind of evokes the same sort of eerie suburban vibe of the album cover for 2000s and then nothing turned itself inside out as well. So even before you play the record, you're getting that very evocative sense coming through the material surrounding this project. And yeah, as I've said, the music very much holds true to that. The music feels very much of a piece with that. You know, there's less of a need for these songs to progress anywhere and more contentment for these tracks to kind of exist as a single almost monotonous groove that basically the band just kind of let breathe as and, and kind of jam out together and this is a style of music that Yola Tingo have incorporated into parts of their albums very consistently across their career. I mean, pop, 2009's popular songs ended with three 10 plus minute tracks that essentially did what a lot of this album does, but they put them all at the end after these more conventional uh, Yola Tingo indie pop songs. Whereas here you're just, you're in this jamming brooding space basically the entire time. And it is a sound that makes sense coming off the back of There's a Riot Going On, which kind of did a similar sort of thing, except it was a little bit more, uh, the whole aesthetic of it was a little bit more sort of synthesizer based and a little bit less kind of moody, I suppose. There's this great fusion of discomfort and beauty that Yola Tingo are able to mine through their jamming that I think is really effective here, more than it has been for a very, very long time. Um, Jake, I want to turn to you at this point. You are obviously not as well-versed in, through in the entirety of Yola Tingo's discography as I am, though you are, you know, you do like them. I mean, there's a couple of records of theirs I know you love. Um, you very much are able to get on board with a lot of what they do aesthetically. And this record, when I heard it, I thought, you know, this record, I think Jake will, will fall more into the side of uh, Yola Tingo that I think Jake will find appealing. So I am curious what you, how, what your experience was like hearing this for the first time and where your kind of feelings are sitting about now. Well, I haven't heard all of the Yola Tango albums, obviously. Uh, I and I haven't even heard all of their like really, really acclaimed stuff. I mean, I still need to get stuff uh, like uh, Electra Pura and I am not afraid of you, and I will beat your ass. I still haven't heard. Uh, I will eventually uh, because I do love this band. Like they have a very high kind of floor and ceiling with me, uh, and then nothing turned itself inside out is probably one of my favorite records of all time, and. I've I've just been listening to a lot more of them as time goes on. They're a band that ages with you particularly very well. And the longer you live with their albums, the more you get to know the sort of many facets and nooks and crannies of their particularly languorous kind of sound, the spaces that they inhabit. And there's something about albums like And the Nothing Turned Itself Inside Out, which is you know, it's so ornate. It's so laden with detail. It feels like you're living in an environment as much as you are existing within an album. And I have at least been aware of the fact that, you know, Yola Tango hadn't put out an album that was like super essential since something like Fade, just because I had been paying attention to the things that Riley has said about the band. And so I also did not expect this to be a particularly major release from the band. Hell, I mean, I, I think we were even kind of on the fence as to whether or not we were even going to cover this before we actually heard it. We were just like, oh, there's a new Yola Tango album, so might as well put that on the spreadsheet. And then I listened to the album and 
I mean, what I didn't expect is for me to just straight up think that this is just as good, if not better than some of the classic albums from them that I've heard. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that this is just no frills whatsoever. Yola Tango are a band that have some tendencies in their more sprawling efforts that sometimes can get away from me. Sometimes some of their jammier stuff, sometimes some of their more repetitive stuff, or sometimes some of their slight stuff, I feel like adds a bit of fat that could be trimmed to some records. I know that that's a lot of the appeal of some of those records for some people. It's not so much so with me. And they also set this album up, I feel like, in a structural way that makes sort of, no matter what you look for in this band, you're going to get it. Because I feel like every song sort of like gives you like, for instance, Sinatra Drive Breakdown, I feel like gives you that sort of traditional Yola Tango vibe, that kind of loping bass line uh, that this band is kind of known for. It's a little bit noisier. It's a little bit jammier. And then immediately afterwards, you have something like Fallout. And this to me, these two songs right after each other, this is sort of the repetitive and I don't say that word in like a bad way at all. Uh, this is sort of the structure of the album is that they'll give you a sort of noisier, jammier, traditional and quality up to standard Yola Tango song. And then they kind of do something a bit more curious where they almost strip themselves down to being something that's very minimal, even for them, and just sort of bathe you in this kind of nocturnal ambient kind of atmosphere and they don't like relent in terms of their instrumental proficiency i mean like everything on here especially particularly the bass playing is as you know proficient as you would expect to from this band but this sort of structure of traditional song atmospheric song traditional song atmospheric song that's pretty much the whole album for me and consistently i feel about the same way about all of these is that i really enjoy the traditional yola tango album cuts they feel just like they're off of painful and then nothing uh, i can hear the heart all of that kind of stuff and not to mention the the sort of dedication to making it sound that way this feels like a lost album from that era it, it, it like in every sense of the word this doesn't feel overly polished it doesn't feel like they're trying too hard it, it they perfectly strike the balance but it's those atmospheric songs that just catapult this album up into the stratosphere for me because i consistently think that these moments these more adventurous moments on this album are some of the best things this band have ever made and some of my favorite things this band have ever made i'm talking about fallout i'm talking about a Cestaline, i'm talking about apology letter i'm talking about the closer all of these songs are gorgeous uh especially stuff like a Cestaline, which uh is georgia i think on lead mm -hmm. vocals and oh god like i her singing voice has always been very comfortable, very warm, but I really don't think it's ever sounded better than it does on something like Acestaline. It's so warm, it's so romantic, it's so comforting. It gives you everything that you'd want to, that like me, uh, for somebody who loves End and Nothing, it transports me right back to the sort of 1960s nocturnal just sort of ambiance that that album creates that I find so alluring about that experience and not to mention I just think that like miles away the closer on this album 
the most uncompromisingly this... novel thing here, I think, for Yola Tinga. Because they've done drone music before, but they've never done mm-hmm. drone music that's this pillowy, that's this gorgeous, that's this kind of resonant and harmonic. You know, usually their drone music is noise. It's loud. Uh-huh. It's guitar feedback that's taken to the limits. But this is just kind of like so much of that feedback has been kind of piled together that it's just become this kind of homogenous beautiful sort of drone of reverberance that sounds like nothing else they've put on an album before at least not in a really long time um definitely bears the influence of some of the more experimental drone stuff they've done in the more recent years but you know combined with the vocal added to this as well it just feels like a a realization of a direction that yola tingo have been experimenting with some of their instrumental stuff, you know, and, and just, you know, and the vocals on top just gives it this extra level of emotional connectivity that makes it more than just, you know, a drone closer, but an actual song that has adopt, adapted that format to, you know, do something different and do something that feels like a fresh spin on what Yola Tingo do. Yeah, I want to be real here. I, I still need to listen to a lot more of this band and I'll need to do a more comprehensive bit of ranking here but i think miles away might be my favorite yola tango song i have listened to this so much this week it has been it's it's been a fucking hard ass week and i put this song on and it's it is just so utterly transportative it's one of those things where you can feel the density of it even though it is a song that is very like aesthetically kind of light and airy but at the same time when you like really hone in and listen to it you can feel that there is just layer upon layer upon layer of detail and then the way George's voice is mic'd just being like really close it's like behind a bit of a wall of some kind of effect but it still feels way closer to you than the actual instrumental does which is so vast and then you have the vocals that are so intimate and the way that this contrasting sort of idea sort of collides and then just comes together here it's fucking beautiful maybe my favorite song of the year so far it it has been the one that i have come back to the most and have just felt the most immediate emotional connection to and Mm. you know that's the thing is that this is this is an amazing fucking song and i I think it's so cool that they're doing something as adventurous as this that still builds on what they've been doing in the past decade or so but the other moments on this album that are great in my opinion are still not that far away from it again there's apology letter which i think is gorgeous and acetylene and fallout is the real moment on this album where i feel like the first time you hear it you're just like oh, this is going to be like a major statement from the band. Well, I think Fallout's one of the greatest songs that they've ever done. And it's funny because it's one of the greatest songs they've ever done because it sounds like 50 other Yola Tingo songs. It is the... It is yeah. the canonical ideal of the Yola Tingo song. It sounds like, you know, so many of the highlights of so many of their albums before. And, you know, there's even, you know, fans have pointed out that it's basically got the same melody and chord progression as the song uh, Pedal Forward off of Fade. But like, no one cares, you know, that it's what Yola Tingo have done before because they're so good at making it feel just so exciting and inviting every single time. And, you know, it's funny because this was the lead single to the album. And I listened mm. to it when it was a single. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is another Yola Tingo song. I didn't really process it. But hearing it in the album and when you have a sort of, when mm. you're situated and you have an idea of what Yola Tingo are angling at with this particular project, it feels just 
fant- it feels so inviting and so amazing and so emotional for me as well. Um, the Yola Tingo record this album reminds me of the most is definitely 1995's Electra Pura because that's the album. I mean, first of all, I've already said that this album, it feels like what they're doing with the production here, and again, this is entirely self-produced, is trying to evoke the sound of those 90s records. And, you know, the 90s record that this reminds me of the most is Electra Pura because that's the album where you're veering from, you know, brooding sort of kraut rock jam to massive shoegaze song that feels like the most intimate, but also the largest thing you've ever heard in your life. And it's just these, so many of these exciting directions that they're pushing into. Uh, Miles Away album. is definitely the uh, slow dives dagger of this album. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Yola Tingo are always 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 great at closers yola tingo's oh. closers are one of the most defining attributes as a band my favorite yola tingo song is a closer I'll, i heard you looking off of painful blue line swinger off of electra pura night falls on hoboken off of and then nothing uh the story of yola tango off of i'm not afraid of you and i'll beat your ass and the glitter is gone off of popular songs um, you know, they always have these fantastic, often quite huge closers. And sometimes they'll change up the formula and do like a little more intimate cover song as a closer, like they do on I Can Hear the Heart Beating as One and on Summer Sun. But for the most part, they love to situate this final moment of the album as just this maximum impact hugeness that leaves you, your ears ringing as the record finishes. And Miles Away is just one of the most striking examples of that they've ever done. It feels a little bit like a grouper song, the way that George's yeah. vocals kind of um, are kind of sort of so ethereally kind of placeless in the mix remind me a lot of that you have this like skittering um slightly distorted drum machine that i love that just gives it this kind of dragging feeling that or just gives this kind of punctuates the 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 sheer wall of fog the song has and i love that um it's quite interesting the way that the last two tracks on this record kind of do basically the same thing structurally but through exploring different aesthetics as well and I love the way that the record kind of just dissipates in this final stretch as well with the last three songs, especially it just kind of like you do, you're right. It kind of alternates in the first half between these kind of like jammier tracks and these sort of more conventionally structured, not pop songs because they never really go that far here, but just these more sort of balletic, uh Yola Tingo rock songs. And it's funny how the distinction between these two different types of songs blurs as the record goes on to the point where the last three songs are really neither of those things. They're kind of just this weird amalgam of noise and sound and vocals and this sort of continual build that sort of doesn't really feel like it's actually going anywhere, but at the same time has this intensity to it that keeps you sort of hypnotized, basically. And I love that. They're they're so, so good at that. And this is definitely one of the most focused Yola Tingo records, as has already been mentioned. It's on the shorter side as well. Um, I think the only other albums, you know, at least from their painful and onward period, uh, that are the shorter, I mean, Fade is also around this runtime as well, but maybe that's the only other one that is. Um, they're just so used to spreading these ideas out and really exploring that space for a longer period of time, which always works. But this feels mm-hmm. like... Um, I mean, something that Stephen Hines said in IndieCast this week that I want to echo is that this Super World, I think, might be a great intro record for people who are new to Yola Tingo, who want to have an agree. idea of what this band are all about, you know, who don't want to get this, who want to get this actually representative picture of what they do, um, but don't necessarily have the stamina for one of their longer albums. I definitely recommend this. Uh, know Absolutely. that this isn't everything Yola Tingo do, because 
if there's one thing that this record is limited in, it's just that it doesn't make room for or really have any of their skills in pop song craft and construction. It's just not mm-hmm. really trying to do any of that stuff. Um, a Celestine, again, is the closest that that gets. But still, you get this immaculate atmosphere, this incredibly enveloping um, mood. And again, what um, Georgia on the drums and James McNew on the bass are doing rhythmically on this album really sustains a lot of these drone tracks as well. I'm a particular fan of tonight's episode, which has this kraut rock yeah. beat that I really, really love. Then and this again very sticky bass line that that you just kind of get stuck into. And I really, really like that. Um another great deep cut is Apology Letter as well, which you've already mentioned. Has God. this uh again this incredibly sort of like it, it's just this 3 a.m nocturnal feel it reminds me a little bit of the song tired mm-hmm. hippo off of and then nothing but also kind of sounds mm-hmm. like its own thing entirely too it's beautifully evocative i'm a huge fan of the kind of noisy wall of brain capers as well which has this these yep. sort of great textures kind of lashing through that noise that i really really love sets up the end of the record flawlessly yeah, I mean, it's you know, there's actually not a lot to say about this album, but that's yeah, that's the thing is that I love this record. I've listened to it like five, six, seven times this week, mm. and like I, I would be willing to say that I would say that like maybe it's, you know, is might be like my third favorite that I've heard from this band. I don't even know, but like, and it is a great intro to the band. But at the same time, it is so elementally simple and focuses so tightly on what it does that there isn't a whole lot to to dissect about it you know well one thing i will say is that i think that this record kind of has a little bit more and i say this you know relatively speaking a little bit more going on thematically than yola tingo have had an interest in for a long time with uh there's a riot going on their 2018 album you know the title kind of hinted at this sort of political undertone you know it was this sort of their post trump sort of album but the album never really kind of did much with that and that was fine because it's not kind of what you really go to them for but i do think that ira kaplan is a really strong and underrated lyricist i ring georgia georgia both are great at writing lyrics and this album i think is you know the first record that they've made in a decent while that feels as though it's going for something thematically unified in the lyrics as well there's you know it's not something that's particularly dense or explored in a lot of different ways but there is this sort of theme of uh you know the the hugely isolating nature of the world at the moment and the way that we all mm-hmm. exist um and also the sense of unification that we're all bound to uh the world no matter how stupid it is no matter how great it is no matter what it does we're all kind of bound to it and we're all kind of bound in, and imbued with a sense of purpose purely by virtue of living in it and that's the thing that comes through on the title track here in the lyrics and that's the thing that comes through on some of the other moments of this of this album as well it's gentle textural flavoring more so than you know the focus of any of these songs but it adds a sense of unity to the album that i appreciate as well um it come again the vocal performances here i think the vocals are given a little bit more presence here than they have been on recent mm-hmm. yolatingo records which is interesting to me considering it's such a, a texturally heavy and jammy album uh i concur with your statement about the beauty of george's vocal performance on a celestine when I think about all the great Georgia songs, I think about um, Shadows off of I Can Hear the Heart. I think about Today is the Day off of Summer Sun. Mm-hmm. I think about I Feel Like Going Home off of I Can, I'm Going to Beat Your Ass. She's always given great vocal performances and she's always got this very tender and um, captivating sort of swanny voice that I love. But she's really given 
she's placed in the mix a little bit louder here. She's given a little bit more prominence, which I really, really appreciate because it is such mm -hmm. a beautiful song and she's the real heart and soul of it. And I like that that has become a little bit more of a of a presence on the song. Same with Fallout too. Um, yeah, just a, an album that really feels as though there's some revitalization that's happened in Yola Tingo that they have a little bit more urgency behind what they're doing and creating this. And what I love about that is that I've read interviews surrounding and the press notes surrounding this as well. And nothing that Iris said gives any indication that they were approaching this any differently than they would any other album. They just kind of went in and made music and it's just kind of purely, you know, as a product of, I guess, wherever they're at, it's come out feeling, you know, this connected to their past, but also this revitalized in a way they haven't sounded in a while. So I'm, I'm seeing a lot of fans, new and old, but probably more on the new side, calling this one of their best albums. I can absolutely see where they're coming from. It's definitely, I think, probably solidly fall around the middle of my ranking um which is not uh any way an indictment on it more just a testament to how many yola tingo albums i love it's another great one it's definitely the best that they've made since fade and i might even narrowly prefer it to that album although that's also a, a stunning stunning record i think if you're new to yola tingo or if their music in any way overwhelms you give this a shot if you find this a little bit too kind of unfocused or alienating for your tastes then go and check out something like uh painful or i can hear the heart beating as one um but if this is your bag then you've got a lot of, of great stuff to discover still and um you know if you are coming at this as someone who is a huge fan and is either not listened to this yet or has just kind of started to spend time with it I'd love to hear what you think as well. I, I am definitely biased as a Yola Tingo fan and Jake is biased purely by the fact that this album just happens to lean into a lot of aesthetics that I know fit into stuff he already loves in music. So we're going to hear your perspectives as well on this one too, because yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's, a real nice surprise to be this animated by a new Yola Tingo record and to see as many people talking about a new Yola Tingo record as you got best new music from Pitchfork. <laughs> Who fucking saw new... that coming? Well, I mean, <laughs> they've always been a critic styling band. They've always been a band that has gotten, Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, consistently gotten really well reviewed. Uh, but even I didn't see that coming either. It felt as though uh, there might even be a place in the culture of indie music for Yola Tingo now in a way that seems kind of crazy to think about for how old they are and how past their most culturally relevant music they are. But, you know, here we are. Uh, Yola Tingo aged like a fine wine. And this stupid world is a testament to that. All right. Favorite tracks and ratings for this album. Uh, I'll go first this time. My three favorite songs are Fallout, A Celestine, and we might even have the same picks here. Fallout, A Celestine, and Miles Away. Um, just three incredible songs. Um, the album re really never drops the ball, though, for me. Uh, no. le least favorite, a pro I guess if I had to pick one, I'd say Until It Happens, but it's fairly well positioned in the middle of the record. It doesn't do anything that I don't enjoy. It just sort of is one of the least compelling moments atmospherically, I suppose, but it's still really, really good. Really strong album. Definitely deserves an eight from me. My three favorite tracks on here, I'm going to say Miles Away, uh, A Celestine, and I'm going to shout out Apology Letter. I adore that song. And 
I'll say that I, I I dig until it happens uh pretty well. I'd say that my least favorite track on here is probably uh the title track, honestly. I really feel like structurally speaking, it sets up the end of the record well, but like as a piece of music in and of itself, it's probably the least compelling thing here. But I, I still think it's a pretty great song, honestly. So eh, I, I I say so very uh not not really with my my foot firmly on that particular uh uh, tile. So I'm going to say that I'll give this album an 8 out of 10 as well. Plus, August has also listened to this. August gave it a 6 out of 10, which means we have an average overall of 7.3. For Yola Tingo's This Stupid World. Let us know what you think of either of the albums we discussed today. Paramore's This Is Why and Yola Tingo's This Stupid World in the comments below. A lot of this this week. Um, so let us know <laughs> what you think of that. Uh, uh, trying to do something there failed miserably <laughs> want to hear what you think of these albums do you think that they stand up to the band's best work do you think that do you disagree with us do you vary from us on any of the points that we've made if you do want to hear from you if you agree want to hear from you too because who doesn't love you know uh being right <laughs> <laughs> and on that note if you enjoyed this video if you enjoyed these reviews please consider giving it a like and subscribing to the channel if you have not already both those things help us out a lot if you want to go above and beyond and support us you can hit the join button on our youtube page for just one dollar a month become a member of the jams d family get your name and the title call of every video on this channel plus if you want to recommend us some music to talk about your recommendation will go to the top of the pile as always though folks until next time rock over london rock on chicago state farm like a good neighbor state farm is there